Welcome to the How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. So I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, which is maintenance and you know how to really perform a good maintenance program. And maintenance is one of those things that we don't think about. If you remember Steve Covey's four quadrants, you know, we talked about what's important, what's urgent. Maintenance is one of those things that's not urgent, but it's really, really important to do. And I go to a lot of different car washes every year and I get to see, I can drive through a car wash and I can tell you if they do great maintenance or not just by looking at it, right? And um, this is one of these subjects that's hard to get your brain around sometimes, but we're gonna talk about some concepts and some ideas. This is gonna be a real high level talk on maintenance. It's not going to be necessarily how to do maintenance, but I'm going to talk about why maintenance is important. And I'm going to talk about the how do you set up a good preventive maintenance program, because this is really the difference between offense and defense, right? So defense is when you have to fix something that's broken and, and, uh, and you don't want to spend all your time fixing things and replacing things and repairing things. You don't want to do it when you have to. Right, so how do you get a good offense? And the offense is the preventive maintenance program that you need to put into place uh, to make sure that your car wash runs the way it needs to. So if you look at that uh, second slide there, this is why I think maintenance is important. So I get frustrated when things break in my car wash. I think that's not the way it should be, but actually it is the way things should be. If you talk about the natural state of things, right? We put a lot of force and energy into building a car wash. If you think about the energy and effort that goes into the building a car wash, there's probably over a million moving parts in the car wash, if you were to count it. Its natural state is to break down. It really is. I mean, if you left something, if you look at those two pictures of those two cars on there on that PowerPoint presentation, those cars were left to nature. And if you leave it to nature, this is what's gonna happen. Things are gonna naturally break down. So there's a natural state of all things and all and, and it's for it to break down into its basic components. So what do we do as human beings? For those of you who just came in, if you want a copy of the presentation, you can text the word foam, F-O-A-M, to 31996. 31996, and you can bring up a copy of the presentation. But human beings actually we you know we 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 create things. We we create this building, we create these tables and desks that are here. And there's a lot of force and energy that have to be brought together to create things. And the car wash, you're creating something that's pretty, pretty unbelievable when you think about it. When you think about all the moving parts and the systems that go into it, you know, there's a lot that's brought together for us to actually produce a clean car and to wash a clean car. And so we have to put energy and effort into keeping it in that state. If we do not keep it in that state, things will fall into disarray. And that's why if you want to stay open and you want to produce good quality cars and you don't want to be down all the time, you've got to have a process and a program in place to maintain the equipment, to keep it in the state that you want to keep it in. And that's called preventive maintenance. And it starts all the way from like task management. So car washing is unique, right? Because if you think about our business, how many people in the exterior express business, anybody in the flex serve, full serve business? So you know, we rely primarily on equipment to wash our cars. And so it's a very, you know, the business that we chose to be in, it's a very operationally intensive business, which means we have to really rely on the equipment to do the majority of the work. That's the beauty of the car wash business is we don't necessarily have to do the work ourselves unless you have a hand wash, 
right? We have primarily have to hire labor to wash the cars, but we, we use equipment to do it. And it allows us to do it very efficiently and very effectively. And so, but, but we have to rely on it. And the equipment moves quite a bit, right? So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of movement. Uh, there's pumps that are working all the time, motors that are working. There's equipment going back and forth. There's a lot of movement in what we do. And so that requires quite a bit of maintenance as well. And uh, so if you think about why, the other reasons why permanent maintenance is important, think about, as Miguel talked about earlier, what's your manifesto, what's your mission statement? What are you trying to provide to your customer, right? So what are the things you want to provide to your customer? And a lot of customers demand consistency right now. So it's, it's just like when you go fly Southwest Airlines, right? They, you know exactly what you're going to get every time when you go there. And so our customers want good quality, they want to be able to get in and out, and they want consistency. And if you're down because you had something break on a Saturday morning, that changes the consistency, it changes the expectations, it changes what that customer thinks about you from a car wash, what this car wash is about. They expect that car wash to be up and running. And so with things like increased competition, you know, what's going on in, in that particular area, um, you know, it's almost, it's almost imperative that we make sure that we maintain our equipment and we provide the very best preventive maintenance program. So car quality is important. They expect consistency. They expect a clean environment. They expect when they come to a car wash nowadays that it's, it's a retail view. You know, 20 years ago, the car wash looked like an industrial view, but now it's really a retail experience for that customer. Most of our customers are part of that experience. In the old days when there was mostly full service car washes, the customer got out of the car, right? And they sat in the lobby. We tried to sell them some gift cards and some other stuff like that. And then the car kind of went through, they could see through the windows, but they weren't part of the experience. And now our customers are part of the experience. So they want a clean facility to go to. And the other part of that is they want a safe facility, right? We need to make sure that we're we have a safe facility for our customers as well as our employees. Right? There's a moral imperative to make sure that we have a safe place for our, our employees to work and making sure that maintenance is part of that. And then we get into the regulatory problems, right? So we've got OSHA, uh, which likes to pop up every once in a while. You know, they want to look at your maintenance records. They want to look at your safety programs. And then you get the occasional customer where something happened. They call their attorney, and now you've got your attorney fighting with their attorney. Right, so one question that I've had over the last 12 or 13 years, if I get an attorney contacting me and we're gonna go to court over something, is we wanna look at your maintenance records. So they're, they're, gonna, they're, they're gonna try to prove that you don't maintain your equipment. And so people wanna be able to see what's your maintenance program and are you maintaining the equipment that you've got in your tunnel? So there's all that regulatory issue. So these are the reasons why I believe preventive maintenance is important and it's important for us to really focus on it. So if you go to that next slide, I want you to envision a pyramid. So I want to, the first takeaway I want you to get to is this thing called the maintenance pyramid. So if you can imagine a pyramid, the very bottom of the pyramid. So if you're going to spend your time maintaining your car wash, where do you want to spend the majority of your time? And this is where it gets a little bit counterintuitive. You know, we're really good at fixing things or replacing equipment. But I want you to kind of focus on things every day, what are the things you're doing every day to make sure your equipment is working? And the first thing I would get you to think about is the task that you establish on a daily, a weekly, and a monthly basis to make sure your equipment is working properly, okay? So if you're gonna spend, you know, 100 hours on maintenance, I would tell you to spend 70 or 80 hours on the task that you perform daily. 
Okay, so that's, that's actually at the bottom of the pyramid. The next thing I would tell you to do is then start working on what I call inspections. Okay, so the task is what do you do when you open? What do you do when you change shifts in the middle of the day? And what do you do when it close? So do you have a task list that your people are supposed to go through to, you know, check things, make inspections, and make adjustments? And if you do those things on a regular basis, you can catch a lot of things earlier than later. And I think that's a big problem that sometimes people have in the car wash business is if the quality of their, their task list, the quality of their opening checklist, the quality of their closing checklist, the quality of the weekly checklist that you have. If you've got poor quality checklists, you know, you end up later on down the line, six, nine, 12 months, 15 months, 24 months later, chasing issues that maybe you shouldn't have been chasing because you're either we didn't have a good checklist or your guys aren't, aren't executing on the checklist like they need to. So task is the bottom. The next thing you want to do is inspection. So inspecting equipment, making sure your guys have the ability to look at a piece of equipment and say, is this particular piece of equipment operating in its normal state? Or is there something about to happen to it? The interesting thing about car wash equipment, right? And I get my guys telling me this all the time. Well, it was working yesterday or it was working last week. It's amazing car wash equipment, man. It could be working today. And tomorrow we wake up and something's completely different about that piece of equipment. And if we're not catching it through inspections, we put ourselves at a major disadvantage. We, if we don't inspect it and see the fact that the state of that equipment has been altered for whatever reason, and we don't inspect it and then adjust it, it you know, then all of a sudden we, we're, we're playing catch up and we're, we're chasing our tail. So if you think about this pyramid task, inspections, the next thing I want to talk about is adjustments. So what I call minor adjustments. So I'm gonna use the example of a Wanner pump. Does everybody have Wanner pumps? Everybody know what the high pressure pumping units, Wanner pumps are? Okay, so you might have to adjust a Wanner pump every once in a while. It might be getting offline a little bit between the motor and where the pump is. There's belts that run these, these pumps and sometimes they get out of adjustment. And you might have to make a minor adjustment to that and tighten it back up because bolts might be getting loose, right? Or, or if you talk about chemical delivery, Think about how many times you have to adjust your chemical delivery. It might have been set up great last week, but today all of a sudden our triple foam isn't quite what we want it to be, and we have to make a minor adjustment to those things. So it's putting a little bit more effort in to getting it back to the state that we want to get it to. The next step in that pyramid is called servicing. So now we've got to service something, right? So the minor adjustment doesn't work, and now at that point we've got to, we've got to do something to it. So in the case of a Wanner pump, you know, if it just gets run quite a bit, then you've got to actually do some work to it. Uh, so you, you, you might have to service it, you might have to add oil to it, so there's oil in these pumps. You might have to drain the oil and put in new oil. That's an example of a periodic process that you go through to keep that particular piece of equipment at its natural state of working. The next one on the pyramid would be repair. So now we've got a piece of equipment that we've adjusted it's not fixing it, and now we need to repair that piece of equipment. Okay, so now it takes more energy and effort and more money to perform that particular function. So we go to repairs, and the one at the very top, which we, want, we don't want to do very often, but we have to do in the car wash business, is replacement. So we've made all the adjustments, we've done all the servicing, we've got all the repair that we wanted to do, and then eventually we get to the point that piece of equipment is worn out. We've gotten all the life out of it that we can, and we've got to replace it. Okay, so if you think about this maintenance pyramid that I'm talking about, you want to spend a lot of time and energy at the task and inspection and adjustment 
list so you're not spending a lot of time, energy, and money servicing, repairing, and replacing equipment. Okay, and that's what the next slide talks about. Increase your task list. Develop good quality task lists, and that's going to help you prevent these things. You want to get as much life out of the equipment that you've got that you can, because it's expensive, right? It's, it's a very, very expensive. If you look at this maintenance example, which is next on this Wanner pump, what does it cost you to inspect a Wanner pump? doesn't cost you anything but a few minutes of time, right? So that's, well, why would you just not do it? If you're, going to ins if you're going to adjust it, like you're going to adjust the belt tension, replace the belts, refill the oil levels, it might be 10 or $15 that you're spending on that particular activity. If you're going to service it, so you're going to replace the belts because the belts are worn out, you're going to replace the oil, might be 50 bucks to do something like that. If you're going to repair that pump, it's going to cost you $350 for a brand new diaphragm and seal kit, and it's going to take you a couple hours, right? So that'd be the next level on the pyramid. If you're going to replace that pump today, it's about $2,500 and about six weeks to get one because they, they just are backed up like you can't imagine, okay? So if you look at that maintenance example, where do you want to spend your time and money it is on the easy things, and that's the inspections, that's the adjustments, though you know, that's the servicing of these things. And in order to do that, you got, you got to be able to track that information. You got to be able to make sure it's getting done properly. So the next slide talks about the unintended consequences. So what are the unintended consequences of a poor task management maintenance process? One of it is wash quality. If you stand at the end of the tunnel and you look at your car, right? That gives you the that's the end result. That's the product you produce. If you have poor wash quality, your customers will know that. And if you're not consistent with your wash quality, your customers will know that as well, right? How many times do you go to a restaurant and it's your favorite restaurant and one day they were just off, right? The cook was sick or something. They had one of the dishwashers who was cooking at that time and it wasn't the same meal that you typically expect, right? Our customers have high expectations and they don't expect necessarily very best quality they expect consistency. They want you to be consistent in how you deliver your product to them. And if you're not consistent, then they're going to get frustrated with you and they're going to go somewhere else. Okay, so wash quality is one of those things that if you're not doing a good job, you're going to start seeing varying levels of wash quality and that's where your customers are going to get frustrated. The other thing I would say is, you know, the site. So you know, the, the, the experience that your customer has, right? You want to make sure you're giving them the very best experience that you can do. And part of that is making sure the facility that your car wash, that they're coming to a clean place to wash it, to get a clean car. And I use that term with my employees all the time. We want to make sure we have a clean place where they can wash and get a clean car with great employees. That's the third thing that I throw in there, right? So if your place is not clean, it looks dirty, it looks industrial, you're not replacing light bulbs like you need to, the walls aren't clean, the LED sticks aren't working the way you need to, you know, you've got equipment tied back. That's the whole experience, and your customers do notice those things, right? And then they start making judgments about you. The other one I would say, too, is downtime. So we cannot afford downtime like we used to in the past. Now, our customers, when they come to our wash, the expectation is you're going to be open. And maybe 20 or 30 years ago, it was okay if you were down for half a day because, you know, your, your conveyor broke down or whatever. Nowadays, people don't have the patience. They don't have the tolerance, and they don't have the patience for it. And if you're down on a Saturday because, 
you know, you weren't maintaining your conveyor or whatever, they're going to go down the street and go somewhere else and become a customer of another car wash. And in this age of increased competition, it's imperative for us to make sure we're doing everything we can to minimize our downtime. And those are metrics that I use with my employees and my car washes is how much downtime do you have per month? And I either reward them or I, or I punish them financially if they're down too much because I want them to really focus on the fact that we can't afford to be down. We just cannot afford to be down. That's revenue that you never get back. Okay, those, those people will come back in two weeks. They'll come back on their next washing schedule or they'll go somewhere else. But it's typically revenue that you never get back and downtime is really, is really an insidious killer of car washes. And, and I see car washes that are down all the time. You know, they're, they're always repairing something during the day. They don't wash many cars. They don't wash many cars because people don't have tolerance for it. Okay, so if you look at maintenance program components here, what are the things you want to think about? So you've got to be able to track your assets you got to be able to track the tasks that are being performed. Uh, you got to be able to track the repair work orders that are out there. So what repairs are you doing on these assets over time? And then you got to be able to escalate these issues, right? So you got to make sure that your guys have a sense of urgency when it comes to fixing things. You know, one thing that drives me crazy at my washes and, it, uh, and I see it in other places is when pieces of equipment are pulled back for days and weeks. Right? I had a wrap that was down at one of my car washes for over 10 days and I, I couldn't believe it. I finally figured out what was going on. I said, hey, why, why, are, we, why are we down here? We've got to get this piece of equipment up and running. You know, your sense of urgency needs to be translated to your employees to make sure that, hey, we've got to get equipment working. It's important. It affects wash quality and it affects what our customers think about us. So what are the things about a culture? So how do you create a good preventive maintenance culture in your organization? Right? The one thing is if you do create these task lists, you gotta get people to buy off on the fact that these task lists are important. And I've struggled with that at my washes is getting my guys to follow the checklist the way they need to follow the checklist. I've got guys that have told me in the past that they've got the checklist memorized. Oh, I don't need to use a checklist, right? I got it, I got it figured out, I do it all the time. Well, what usually happens if they're not physically using a checklist is they'll give you their version of the checklist. And their version of a checklist is a certain percentage, not more, a certain percentage less than what you want them to do, all right? So how many people are pilots in the room? What are the guys up front doing in the cockpit before they take off? They're going through a what? A checklist. Are they going through a checklist because they've never flown the airplane before? No, that's not the reason why they're doing it. They're doing it because, you know, they're doing it because they realize if they miss a sequence in the startup and getting the aircraft configured for takeoff, missing a step in an airplane is catastrophic. And I was flying into DFW yesterday. I used to live here. In the early 90s, there was a Delta 727 that took off and promptly crashed at the end of the runway. And the reason why that happened is because the flap configuration wasn't what it was supposed to be. These guys that went through the checklist, and this is an example of like doing things without thinking, they're actually supposed to put the flaps down three notches, they only put it down two notches. And the wings didn't have enough configuration to generate lift, and when they took off, they promptly crashed at the end of the runway. That's a good example of why checklists are so important, right? Now, can things happen catastrophically in the car wash if the guy misses the opening checklist? We're not gonna see the results right away, 
but you are going to see the results if your guys are not following a checklist over time. And by the time that happens, it's too late. And now you're spending a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of energy playing catch up, getting your wash to the point where you need to get it because your guys weren't following the checklist. So I, I just, I'm a huge believer in checklist and why it's important. The other thing, there is a reason why you want checklists and work orders is because how many times as a car wash owner have you asked the question, when was the last time we fixed this or when was the last time we replaced it, right? And I have to rely on institutional knowledge. I have to rely on my oldest employee to tell me when was the last time we replaced the conveyor chain because I don't remember. But the good news is typically they remember, all right? So, so if that person leaves, all that institutional knowledge goes with them. So. You know, I want to know how often I'm working on a piece of equipment because sometimes I'm chasing bad money after good money. After, after, you know, good money after bad equipment. I keep replacing, you know, fixing it, fixing it, fixing it. And I need to make a decision if I'm going to replace it or I'm going to keep repairing it. The only way I can make that decision well is I got to be able to determine how much money and effort I've spent on that particular piece of equipment. And is it time to go ahead and, and, re and replace it, okay? And the other thing, sometimes they get frustrated with a piece of equipment. So you guys ever get frustrated with a piece of equipment? You think, I hate this thing. You know, I can't believe I bought this thing. I want to replace it. Well, you can't necessarily do that, right? So sometimes you get emotional about a piece of equipment and you don't like it. But if you had the facts behind how often are you maintaining it, you know, how many repair work orders have you had, how much money have you really spent on this piece of equipment? You know, if you had that information, you can make better decisions on whether or not to replace that equipment. Uh, and so it takes the emotion out of, you know, I hate this piece of equipment, let's get rid of it, let's get a new one. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Car Washing podcast with an exciting announcement. My co-host David Begin and I have designed a task management system for our car wash business. It helps us manage all of the operational tasks at our wash locations, like repair work orders, scheduled maintenance, and all of the checklists that we use to keep the wash running smoothly. We call it the Car Wash Operating System, and it helps us manage our operations so that we can drive maximum performance in our business. We are now offering the Car Wash Operating System to other wash owners. If you're looking for ways to improve your operations by reducing downtime and reducing maintenance costs, and we invite you to learn more about our affordable solution at carwashos.com. The Car Wash Operating System is a task management software solution designed to help you manage your operational tasks so that you can drive maximum performance at your wash business. Again, to find out more about the Car Wash Operating System, please visit carwashos.com. Okay, let's talk about some other cultural things. So making sure you got the right employees. This is an operationally intensive business. So somebody in your car wash needs to love equipment. Now, it doesn't only have to be the site manager. And I've, I've made this decision point a lot of times. Do I hire a person that's really good at customer service or do I hire somebody who's really good at equipment? And the answer is yes, you need both. Now, if you've got a big enough operation, you can have your own maintenance team. If you've got a maintenance team that does nothing but maintenance, that's great. If you don't, then you've got to make those decisions. You know, what, what type of person do I hire there? But I think in general, to keep people motivated and interested in the car wash itself, keeping them working there long enough, they've got to be interested in equipment. 
They've got to have that mechanical interest. They've got to be mechanically inclined. Because I think that's what a lot of my employees like is they like to figure out what's going on. They don't like to tinker and figure out equipment. It's hard for the employee to want to stay there long term. Okay, so what types of employees do you need? If you go down that list here on the list, you got to have somebody who's interested in equipment. You got to have interest in, in somebody who's learning, right? We don't really hire people from the car wash industry that much. We got to get people that come from other industries to come into car washing. And so you got to get people that are interested in learning about it. It's, it's a big learning curve when you hire a shift leader or a site manager because they got to learn all about the equipment. They got to learn how to maintain it. They got to learn new terminology. If you're not hiring people who are interested in learning and they resist it, they typically are not successful because they start hitting, hitting the wall. Employees who like to teach, right? So once they learn it, they got to be willing to share it with other people. And I think that's an important attribute as well. Uh, and then the employer's part. So what are the employer's responsibility? You got to be able to teach your employees about the equipment. So if you don't know about it, it's going to be hard for you to teach it. So you've got to take the responsibility of understanding the equipment and making sure you can explain it or get somebody in your organization who can. You got to reward initiative and effort. So you got to, you got to reward initiative effort and you got to forgive mistakes. If your guys are going to get in there and try to fix something, there's a chances they're not going to fix it right and they're going to break something. You've got to reward the effort a lot of times and forgive the mistakes. So if they didn't put together the wanner pump properly, if they got out the seal kit, they didn't put it together properly, they shoved it together, they put it online, it's leaking like crazy because they pinched one of the seals, that's 350 bucks, right? That you got to go back and you got to buy a new seal kit and redo it. You got to, you know, you're going to be spending some money on teaching these people what to do and how to learn. So you got to be a little forgiving when your guys don't do it correctly. Because if you shut down that initiative, nobody's going to take a risk. Nobody's, nobody's going to make an effort to try to do something you're not comfortable with. All right? So those are the things the employers need to think about. So there's a responsibility both from the employee side and the employer side to create a good culture of maintenance. The next slide I talk about, it's a quote my mom, my, my grandmother used to say. She said, it's not what you make, it's what you don't spend. It's what you don't spend. Right? And she was a factory worker her whole life, and she you know, died with millions of dollars in the bank because she was very frugal, and she, she took that to heart, and she communicated that to me a lot. She didn't spend a lot of money. You know, if I went to the store, she wanted her change. You know, so where's my change? It was the first thing she would say when I came back, where's my change? You know, because she understood the difference between offense and defense when it comes to finances. You know, she didn't have a great offense because she was a factory worker, but she had a tremendous defense. And if you look at any sport, there's always an offensive component to it and there's always a defensive component to it. And you could be making a lot of money at washing cars and that's great, you've got a lot of offense. How are you managing your defense? How are you, manage, how are you managing what you're spending? And you can spend a ton of money on maintenance and you can spend a ton of money on new equipment. I prefer not to because I want to keep my money, right? It's my money and I try to communicate to my guys, when you come to me and say you got to replace this equipment, or you come to me and you got a damage claim, that's my money that you're spending, right? So I try to instill that idea in them that it's not, not some corporate budget somewhere, it's, it's my money. And, and when I spend $1,000, that's $1,000 I don't get to keep for profit. So I try to want to make sure they've got that, that defensive mindset and that they're doing everything they can to maintain and get the most life of an equipment that they can. Okay, so that, that's an important, important part. You know, think about that offense and defense aspect when you're thinking about your maintenance program. And then the other component of that should be 
spare parts. So you're going to have to develop. If you've got a new car wash, spare parts aren't that important. As time goes along, you got to start thinking about your spare parts program. Now your distributor or your OEM manufacturer of your car wash equipment can help you with this. And they can say, here's what we would traditionally recommend for spare parts. And it's going to cost you some money. It's going to cost you ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars that you're going to want to put in a warehouse somewhere of spare parts. But I think it's really important to be able to do. So the things you've got to consider is what's a critical piece of equipment and what's a non-critical piece of equipment. So would you consider a conveyor a critical or non-critical piece of equipment? It's critical, right? Because if that conveyor goes down, are you washing cars? Not really, right? It's, it's really hard to wash cars without a conveyor. So what are the critical components on a conveyor that you want to put away? So for us, it's gearboxes, it's motors, and it's hub assemblies. It's the entrance sprockets, you know, all the things that go at the entrance, all the things that go to the exit. So if we blow a hydraulic motor on our conveyor, we can go get a, go get a, go to the storage unit, grab one, put it on, we're back in line in an hour or two. Okay, so that, that's a critical. Now, would you consider a blower motor a critical or non-critical part? Probably non-critical, right? Now, you can argue this all day long, but I got 15 blowers in my car wash. If one goes down, I don't like it. It's going to affect wash quality, but I can still wash, right? So I can make a decision on whether I want to store a blower motor or if I can get one pretty quickly. The other component we're running into now in this industry is lead time, right? Guys, everybody's busy and nobody has what we need anymore. Yeah. And so sometimes the lead time can be very long. So I actually bought, I, I've got central vacuum units at my car washes. I bought a $15,000 turbine and motor as a backup for my vacuum system. Now, why would you spend $15,000 on that? Well, the lead time for me to get one was four to six weeks. So the manufacturer didn't even have one on the shelf. They were going to have to manufacture it and then ship it to us. Do you think my customers are going to be happy? not having vacuums for four to six weeks? Probably not, because vacuums are free and people lose their minds when it comes to free stuff, right? If they don't get their free stuff, they go crazy. And that's especially important when it comes to vacuuming. And so I actually made the financial decision to buy a $15,000 turbine and, and motor and store it so that in case this whole system goes down, I can put another one online quickly. So. Two things you got to determine, is it critical, is it non-critical, and then what's the lead time for those particular items, right? And you got to make a determination, do I need to keep it, will my distributor keep it, or do I not need it and I'm just going to order it when it, when, I, when it goes out, when I need it, okay? And I think that's important. The other thing I would recommend from a maintenance perspective is spend time sourcing the part. You would be surprised how much cheaper it is to buy things from other sources just than from the OEM. I don't have any OEMs in here, so I can say that. OEM is original equipment manufacturer, so that's Motor City, Ballinger, Sunny, so those guys there. So we had a conveyor that shall remain nameless. The hub bearing that goes on the sprocket right at the end of the conveyor, there's two, two uh, hub bearings that go on that. For my OEM, it's $250 each for one of those bearings. I found a stamping on one of the bearings and I, I put it in Google and looked it up. Guess what? It's a 91 Saturn rear wheel drive assembly hub for, for the wheel. It's $91 if I go down to Napa and pick it up. I could have it in two days. Okay? So there's, the, the, and I've experienced that for years, right? So 
If you're buying something and you've got some time and you've got somebody that can help you do this, source your parts. Figure out if there's a cheaper place for you to get it, and I think you'll decrease the cost of your maintenance program considerably if you do that. All right? So those are some of the components I wanted to talk about. What do you need to invest in? Invest in good tools. Right? Don't hamstring your employees with crappy tools. Now go to Harbor Freight for all the wrenches and screwdrivers and all that that you want. But if you're going to buy a drill, buy a decent drill. Don't, don't buy a drill at Harbor Freight that's going to last you two months. You know, make the investments in certain pieces of equipment that needs to be good. You know, a hammer drill, that's got to be a good, solid piece of equipment for you guys to want to use it. It says, I don't value maintenance if I don't get decent, decent tools for my guys. So I make sure they've got the tools. If they run out, they can go get more. Hey, don't overspend on tools. Don't get the snap-on guy truck, snap-on truck to come into your site and buy wrenches from him because you don't need those type of wrenches, right? You can buy Harbor Freight wrenches, but you know, things like, like hammer drills, you know, drills, saws, things that are, that are uh, mechanical in nature, make the investment, go to Home Depot, go to Lowe's and buy, buy some decent ones from there. Get good measuring equipment, right? So if you got a voltage meter, get some good voltage meter. Don't spend 20 bucks on a voltage meter, spend $100 on a voltage meter, because it's gonna give you a better reading, and then teach your guys how to use it. Teach your guys how to use it. We have monthly meetings at our car wash, and at the monthly meetings, we'll go through a maintenance subject. So we'll teach somebody how to read a voltage meter Right, because people need to know how to read those things. If they don't read them right, I've had guys that have used them that don't know how to read them. They're, they're, they're in direct current instead of alternating current, and they're blowing things up because you know, they, they, they're miswiring and think something's hot when it's not, or something's not hot when it is. All right, so teach them how to use it. We've got a maintenance call every week, so all my site managers get on a call. We all talk about our problems, and uh, you know, we do that once a week for an hour. So that, that's a very valuable meeting to my employees. Then I'm gonna talk about service and inspection visits. So if you've got one wash as an owner, you're pretty much there a lot. So you're gonna see the things that need to be there. there there's, a, there's what I call the tyranny of the familiar. If you guys ever experienced that. How can I walk in, look at a piece of equipment and realize it's not working, you know, realize, hey, this is not, this is backwards or this isn't working or whatever. And my guy, who's the site manager, who's the smart guy, who's there all the time, doesn't see it. The problem is, most of our equipment doesn't catastrophically fail. It just starts going out of adjustment very slowly. And when you're there all the time, you just don't see it. And so this tyranny of the familiar is very frustrating uh, to, to the whole car wash operation. So sometimes you got to get a different set of eyes and a different set of ears on the problem. And if, if you've got multiple sites and you go visit the sites, you give your perspective on it. And you're usually, as an owner or as a manager, you've got higher level of detail, you know, attention to detail, and sometimes your employee does. So the other thing I like to do is I'll get my site managers to swap sites like every couple months, and they'll see things that the current site manager doesn't see, right? So you gotta get each other, you gotta get, you gotta help each other out on those type of things and, and make, make sure that you're, uh, you know, you're, you're getting what you need on that. So sometimes you have to be the, the inspector, right? Sometimes your guys don't have that technique or skill. You gotta be the guy with the attention to detail because the standard that you set as an owner will be the highest standard in the organization. You could have the very best site manager in the world, but his standards are gonna be somewhat less than yours. And then the shift leaders might be a little less than the site managers and the tunnel loaders might be less than the shift leaders. Right, so you want to make sure you keep really high standards 
because your standards are going to be the standard and everybody's going to be somewhere below that. Okay? Got a couple pictures here of problems. These are actual car washes. And you're looking at this. I'm looking at this wrap here that's being held on. It's got like eight bolts. It's held on by one. Now, how in the world does a piece of equipment get to that point, right? It's that tyranny of the familiar that I'm talking about. It's just, you know, you don't see it. You're not paying attention. You're not really inspecting them like you need to. Get your people to look at the car wash with a fresh set of eyes. I say, look at it like it the first time you've seen it and see if you can catch these things. But again, they're not gonna, they're gonna only be so good at that. And you're gonna need your help to do site inspections and give that next level of, of, of attention to detail. Next picture, duct tape is a great solution for temporarily, but we end up making temporarily permanent. Don't let duct tape be the permanent solution. You know, track that particular piece of equipment that that needs to be fixed, and you need to be able to, you know, make sure they come back and repair that correctly. And chemicals is one of those things that get out of adjustment pretty slowly, and you gotta get your guys to really focus on chemical delivery, right? Or the, the foot valves, are they getting clogged up? Are the lines getting all gunked up? Are they getting hard, you know? Because you could be producing good foam today, and in three days, you're producing water. It's just things just get out of adjustment. It's just, it's just kind, of, it's kind of the way it is. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about is troubleshooting. I've spent a lot of time trying to study troubleshooting, and the only information I end up getting is troubleshooting in the IT world, right? Troubleshooting is both a science and an art. And some people are very good at troubleshooting and some people are not. And you got to teach your guys how to troubleshoot. Um, and it really is. Guys that are good at it, they're naturals, but it's really hard to teach people how to troubleshoot. So the one thing I want to say is develop a network. Develop a network of people you can call when things go wrong, right? So it could be your distributor. It could be your building and trades people. It could be other car wash owners. It could be the OEM support line that you have, right? How many people are a member of Talk Car Wash on Facebook? Great, if you're not on that, sign up for that because that's a great site. There's over 5,000 members now and every day you'll see two or three people posting with a problem. Hey, I've got this Heco drive, I don't know how it's working, it's backwards. He'll get four or five different replies from people that are all too willing to help to give advice. It could be, the, it could be a distributive Heco, it could be a guy that's got a lot of Heco drives in his wash, it could be a guy that's been in the business for 25 years. You know, you got to get a bunch of people together. One thing that's important when you troubleshoot, it takes lots of minds together to try to figure out what the problem is. And experience isn't always the best person. I've had guys that have worked with me for a couple months to see things that I totally miss. And, and it's amazing. I've been doing it for a long time. I hire a new employee. They'll, 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 they'll smoke me on solving a problem because they just bring a different perspective. A lot of times you have to be able to get somebody, you know, get a lot of people thinking about it, giving you ideas on how to fix things. So this troubleshooting matrix is the third thing I'm going to leave you with. Okay, so think about when you're troubleshooting, think about a box and you have four different matrices. You've got easy and you've got expensive, right? You've got cost and you've got effort. The first thing you want to do when you're troubleshooting is think about all the things that are easy and cheap to do. And I can't tell you how many times I've called an electrician to fix something, he walks over to the breaker box and flips the breaker. I'm like, oh man, that just cost me 80 bucks, right? That's an example of a really cheap and easy thing to do. So think about everything that's cheap and easy that you can do. Um, you know, all of a sudden we don't have air pressure in our car wash and we're panicking. We don't know what to do. Well, 
the guy flipped the valve from the air compressor to the air lines and the air tank says we got a lot of pressure but the lines don't have any pressure in them right it's a really simple and easy and cheap thing go through all the cheap and easy things first to determine if that's the problem the second thing is figure out what's not easy and cheap so i don't want to spend money so the first thing i'm going to go to is what's going to take some time but so it's going to be cheap so what, what you know if we've got a wanner pump in stock replace that wanner pump with the one in stock the rebuilt see if that solves the problem okay so figure out everything it's going to take some effort but it's not going to cost a lot of money then i would say go to easy and not cheap so easy and not cheap would be going ahead and rebuilding the pump if i need to or buying a pump okay it's easy to do but it's not cheap but i can't figure out what the problem is at that particular point and then the quadrant four is really hard really expensive that's the last place you want to go right when you're troubleshooting and i've had my managers call me so oh we've got to get a new we got to get a new conveyor we got to get a new you know aqualab we got to get a new whatever whoa 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 have you checked the breaker box have you checked the water line you know and they're they're already on quadrant four where they need to be back at quadrant run so teach your guys to go through this process and it's hard to do because usually when the car washes down it doesn't happen at 10 p.m at night it happens at 10 a.m. in the morning on Saturday. And so your guys are under a lot of pressure to try to get that wash back up and running, and they're not thinking clearly. So give them a methodology of how to think and how to troubleshoot. And I like this methodology because it saves you money and it can get things done pretty quickly. And get them to start thinking this way, and they'll, they'll produce better results for you in the long run. They're not going to jump to quadrant four before they've done anything in quadrant one. So if my guys are calling me with a problem, I say, well, 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 before you tell me what you want, tell me what you've done. So what have you done in quadrant one? What have you done in quadrant two? Okay, I've tried this, this, and this. Okay, think about, what about this? Why don't you think about this? Why don't you think about that, right? And I'm giving them a different perspective because in a lot of cases, I've seen it before. Experience is a, is a benefit many times in the car wash industry, not because I'm any smarter, because I've just seen it before, right? I saw this happen before. So this troubleshooting things, teach your guys how to troubleshoot, teach them how to call you up when they've got a problem, you know, teach them how to respond when things are going wrong, and I think you'll end up with a better result. And if you can teach people to troubleshoot, that's a tremendous skill, a tremendous skill to have. All right? So those are my three takeaways for preventive maintenance. All right, guys, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.